Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's the last go around. I'm Cooper Powers, and this is Unquote. Well, y'all, it's been almost a full year since I started on this journey, and it's been really fun. I've enjoyed every episode that I've worked on. It's really been a challenge trying to come up with new ideas, new things to write down to entertain everybody, and new guests to keep me in stitches and to keep us informed and enlighten us with their innermost thoughts. It's no big secret to the people who know me best. I just love creating things. I like doing things that entertain people, that maybe get you to think in a different way or feel in a different way that's really rewarding and I I offer challenge to anybody out there who was listening to this and thought man I really wish I could do something like that one microphone a little bit of free software and some decent know-how a little computer savvy you got it made you can do it yourself and have just as much fun if not more than what I did a decent mixer always helps I know I know Duff don't hate me too much Okay, I'm, I'm going to try not to make it too heavy-handed on the top end. I'll save the uh, the tears and the tissues for after the interview. But today, we have Patrick Alexander, a repeat guest, going toe-to-toe with me over Jerry Maguire, the 1996 film by Cameron Crowe, with a packed cast. Patrick had a lot to say about it. Jerry is mired down in this movie, in the realms of sports management, a world in the not-too-distant past. And I wonder then what we can glean from a movie like this where indecision and heartache and loneliness are still themes that we struggle with today as humans. Patrick and I hash these things out. We have a few laughs. We establish probably the golden rule of this movie, subsequently maybe the better quote. And we also each reveal our own personal motto. Let's see what Patrick had to say. Patrick Alexander. Back again. Back at it. What's up, brother? Not too much, man. Happy to be back. Talking movies again. You sent me a text uh, a couple days ago. New year, new us. I was a fan of that phrase. And uh, we're talking about, today, we're talking about Cameron Crowe's... Transcendent. Transcendent existential masterpiece, right? So, Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise, Renee Zellweger, and uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Jay Moore. (laughs) Jay Moore. (laughs) And yeah, and Aerie Spears, you know, really the, the the heavy hitters that you look for in any blockbuster. You had watched this movie, and th- this is a long time coming because we had planned to do this since forever ago. You've been busy with your with your staying active on your Twitter, on the Twitter uh, at Movie Review Three Sixty Five. Right. Um, started a new Letterboxd, so everybody on Letterboxd out there, go check that out too. Get some deeper thoughts. Writing a little bit. More than 140 characters. Yeah, more than 140. The blurbs are great, by the way. They're very succinct, but still, it's got a punch to it, which I love. Yeah, I try to throw in one-liners on the bad movies every now and again, (laughs) give something people to think about. Um, And then recently finished up my first screenplay, so looking to get that out there as well. Doing a lot of writing, but it's happy to be back. 
back on Unquote Podcast, the one and only. Beautiful, the one and only. Talking about a great American sports rom-com, <laughs> probably the number one of that subgenre of all time. Right, right. I mean, there's... Oh, um... There's no crime A League of Their Own. A League of Their Own, that's right. I don't know what I was thinking. But yeah, that was semi... semi uh, and then there's the one with uh, Justin Timberlake and Clint Eastwood that no one saw. I think it was a rom-com. I I've, don't even have knowledge of this. What, what's the title It's of about baseball, and I'm not sure what the title of it is. <laughs> we'll have to look that up, but... Uh, Fact check it. Yeah, for sure. All but, you listeners. Because uh, that, that, that combination just screams false to me, but I don't know. That That's, that's for the audience to decide, really. So initial initial thoughts on this movie. I know you watched it a while ago. I actually just refreshed it uh, yesterday, and uh, but yeah, let, get, let me get your take on it first. First thoughts. In looking back on Jerry Maguire, where it started, you know, a couple decades ago to where it is now, there's parts of it that aged really well. The writing ages really well. The yeah, jokes absolutely. Are constant, keep hitting, hard hitting, and there's a lot of subtleties that seeing this at an older age now, I kind of get a little bit more. I, it's funny that you mentioned that. I was talking to my roommate and looking at it through kind of fresh eyes because I've I had been through you know a few relationships up to this point, but some total taking everything into account where I'm at now, things you know make a little bit more sense to you. It's not quite as distant, fleeting, far fetched thought like oh this guy can't be you know this wound up, but you know you you go through some tumultuous times and yeah you can kind of make, picture yourself in his shoes sometimes you grow up a little bit experience love a little bit and you start to understand the nuances of those kind of life relationships exactly and then you you suddenly find your own quan as it were you the know quan. The, the, whole, the origin of the quan the whole package man hit the quan rich homie quan it all started with jerry <laughs> Maguire, and people need to know that the love respect community and the dollars too and the dollars show you the money so what, in your mind, may have contributed to the success of these quotes? Like, show me the money. It First of all, it's hilarious, right? Because Cuba Gooding Jr. plays a pretty far-fetched character in his own right. You know, this really larger-than-life uh, athlete who's, you know, feel, feel, is kind of too big for his shoes at the beginning and learns a little humility and comes out on top. But, like, what do you what do you think is really the, the thing that sells that line? I think that one of the main things that sells show me the money and you have me at hello is that they're maybe not the best lines of this movie because mm-hmm. there's at least 10 or 12 lines oh, in yeah. this movie it's full of zingers and ones that we're not even going to mention and these two kind of roast the top because of their importance within the narrative within the storyline you know the you complete me right and then she says you have me at hello right after it like it builds up and had even a setup punch for the other one for the one to come later right and then with Show Me the Money, um, it's actually, if I get to ride your ass like Zorro, you're going to show me the money. <laughs> and then he goes off into the rant where they're jumping and screaming on the telephone. Right. And and I think, it's like you said, in, in, in relationship to the narrative, they're, they're, they're throwback lines. Like, they're repeated throughout. You know, there's definitely some good one-liners in there, but it's, they're just that. They're one-liners. You know, these, these have a little bit of callback to them, you know? Uh, what 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 else were you gonna say? Um, just speaking of the other quotes, the quotes that weren't even on this, right. That we can't even give, talk give about. Me, on this give me give me some substitutions. Substitutions. Um, of the cheesy, no one said winning is cheap. <laughs> of the out there, that's how you become great, man. You just hang your balls out there. <laughs> By funny fun fact, I I watched almost all the way through the credits. The title of that guy with the actor's name associated with it was. 
copy Matt Jesus because he had the long blonde hair. Well, that was pretty funny. And uh, so yeah, some substitutions. Some substitutions. But the for me. one, the one quote that is absolutely should have been on AFI's top 100 list comes from Rod Tidwell when they're walking away from the commercial set. And he says, a real man would not shoplift the pootie from a single mother. Don't Jerry, shoplift the pootie, listeners! If, if, if Jerry had just listened to Rod instead of fighting him from the beginning, he would have known not to shoplift the pootie. You never shoplift the pootie. You just don't do it. It's, a, a, gold, it's a golden rule, you know? He soon comes to realize that, but it's almost too little too late. You know, and then he goes through this, these undulations of emotion, you know, do I love or do I not? And then there's the serious, help me! Help you! That's my number one choice. Because not only is it repeated a lot, but you just... Here's the thing I like about Tom Cruise. Sure, people say he's a little off-kilter, right? But I don't think many people realize kind of how real he can be sometimes, you know? Like, when when, when Cuba Gooding Jr. says, you were hanging on by a very thin thread, and I dig that about you! Like... He's he's describing Tom Cruise's acting method. Like he he plays kind of desperate very very well. You can really feel his his pleas of anguish with Cuba Gooding Jr. Well, one thing I would say that kind of makes Jerry Maguire up there in the sports movie Hall of Fame pantheon is that it like subtly discussed a lot of different topics that hadn't come to the forefront of you know the national media before then. One instance being concussions. Yeah. Um, you might remember at the very beginning this was of the before movie. before Will Smith did any research. Way before. Right. And probably the best commentary on concussions we've ever had. Um, when he's visiting his client's kid in the hospital. And the kid goes, this is his fourth concussion. Shouldn't somebody get him to stop? And Jerry says, replies, it would take a tank to stop your dad. As he's checking his messages. It would take all five super trooper warriors to stop your dad, right? <laughs> and the kid simply replies off and gives him the middle finger like that was the the discourse around concussions back then like anyway it's not going to stop you right it's like this is a strong guy strong guys get through this kind of stuff and the way that's sort of come on its head since then is remarkable no pun intended pun intended patrick just winked at me <laughs> you know small commentary on concussions people didn't realize that you know after a couple years you were probably getting coloring books the rest of your life like concussions were a bigger deal than people were making it out to be and uh like what's another and also the throwbacks to Nirvana. This was sort of paying homage to Nirvana very subtly in a few different ways throughout the film. Enlighten me. Cush's little brother wearing the sliver mm. shirt. Mm -hmm. The swimming pool scene where Jerry is in the pool and it, you know, put against the album cover to Nevermind. Right. And then Cush, of course, singing something in the way on the guitar in the hotel room on draft night. Like, that's a big three of, like, Nirvana homage before it was even cool to, like... Be in with Kurt Nirvana, and right? All, or Kurt Cobain, and know all, all about him, right? A subtle, a subtle crow homage to, uh, and now had Kurt Cobain committed suicide at this point? I what? do believe, yeah. Okay, yeah. So a very subtle reminder that you know He's things are not always things are not always as they seem. I didn't realize that. I feel like my roommate had seen this movie and heard it somewhere, or heard it from this movie. It's not show friends; it's show business. Said by Jay Moore. I I missed that line. You missed that one. It was pretty good because my, my buddy used to say it all the time, and uh, used to used to say it all the time, and I was like, man, that's that's pretty harsh. And he's like, it's not show friends, it's show business, and um, 
And that's why it takes Jerry into the crowded restaurant to fire him. Exactly. It's exactly. all business. You can't freak out in a crowded restaurant. Power move. Something now that I know, if that's a thing that ever happens to me, I know what it means. I can see it coming. <laughs> Much like Jerry did in the film. So you, you go ahead and ask him to foot the bill. Yeah, and the, fish, and the fish are coming with me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you know anyone who maybe, maybe not your firm, but a different one who's, who's kind of like cracked under pressure, who, who, has, who has tried to go out on a limb after they've been let go? I know that's a very esoteric niche thing to add. Basically, do you know Jerry Maguire? That's basically what I'm getting at. Sort of. Uh, my uncle was a sports agent for better part of two decades. Uh-huh. Um, he didn't crack under fire, but you know, he eventually called it quits because it is a very high stress, mm-hmm. high endurance, very flashy, very got to impress people lifestyle. Show me the money. You got to show him the money. That's the big thing. And sort of looking at the way he's lived his life and the way Jerry Maguire as a character is, it's a lot of you know, driving the Mercedes, having to impress people, but there's a lot of money on the line at all times. Keeping up appearances. Are you, and... are you getting people the best contracts? Are you, you know, thinking really far into the future to how to make your clients the top clients in the world? And I definitely understand where Jerry's coming from right. with his mental breakdown and sort of losing it under all that pressure. Define a mission statement. This is a, this is a high point of confusion between several of the major cast in the movie. More specifically, Renee Zellweger and... and, and uh, Tom Cruise. What is a mission statement to, well, to you? It's not an 80-page memo. Right. That's for sure. Right. Mission statement, it's, you know, what this company is about. What okay. we're about, what we do, and how we do it, how we serve. Simple enough. Simple enough. So what is a memo then? That was his manifesto. Right. It was less a memo and more a manifesto. The memo is just something that goes out to everyone, you know. Don't take my pudding out of the refrigerator. <laughs> but Jerry Maguire's in Refill this- the coffee pot and Jerry right? Maguire's was an 80 page memo to everyone about his enlightenment of the culture of sports business so in your time you know it doesn't necessarily have to be with your business but have you ever just become like there was a time when you were maybe just like jaded for a while and like you thought about just really just hitting home with some stuff and trying to get some thoughts down on paper or anything like that oh yeah everyone has those times yeah where you're just like man I could write a manifesto right now <laughs> And flip things upside down. But then you have to take a few steps back and in reality be like, oh, so I would just lose my job, have right. to start over. And, and I'd be, I'd be $100 on. in debt from printing off all those pages at, <laughs> at Coffee Mat, basically. You just got to hang your balls out there sometimes. Hey, man, that's exactly it. You know, most people who who have been stressed or, you know, feel things really coming to a head often, they try to step back and really reassess, or at least I do, try to reassess what's going on, how to prioritize things. Um... But I'm not as fit as Tom Cruise, and I don't do headstands at 2 a.m. And always so. don't press send. Yes. When you got that late night text, when you got that mean text to your friend, when you're texting your boss, do not press send. It's the better thing to don't write, get it, fired, write, it, write it in a letter. Don't get fired. And then burn the letter. That's therapeutic. It's cathartic. I've heard it works. Have you ever heard that before? You burn. write it down in a letter form? I've done it before. You have? I've lived it. Nice. Maybe. So for you Was that decide. after two two slices of bad pizza? <laughs> More than two. <laughs> you think I ate two slices of pizza? And then called it quits? Bet <laughs> your ass. I'm a full seven or eight piece man. I have a uh, I have a story about uh, this has very little to do with the movie, but I met Cuba Gooding Jr. in New Orleans. Where? When? This was about this is about four years ago. 
and he was uh, at El Gato Negro downtown. Classic spot. And um, I was there hanging out with some of my buddies for my buddy's birthday, and it was us and his parents and some of their friends, and we were all just drinking, having a good time. And I see kind of this lone figure over in the corner. I was like, damn, that guy looks familiar. And I just kind of brush it off. And then, like, I hear some hushed tones around the table. I'm like, this guy has got to be somebody. And sure enough, I see his profile. I was like, damn, that's Cuba Gooding Jr. That's what's up. And he was, he was keeping to himself. So, was he filming radio or ice dogs? <laughs> um, he was drinking heavily, so I'm going to go ahead and guess ice dogs. But, um, so he was over there by himself, and my buddy's parents went over there and maybe weren't coolly asking him for pictures or whatever they're kind of pestering him and he like shoes them off and they come back like man he's a real jerk I was like no 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 no. see and I I'd never met a celebrity up to this point but I obviously have to play it cool so I'm like no 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 you guys got it all wrong it's like you follow you have somebody follow you with a camera and you just don't even ask you introduce yourself make nice and then you have them snap the picture you don't even ask and I'm like what that won't work I was like bet so I walked up there I was kind of like you know just kind of subtly bump into him I'm like oh hey what's up Cuba like that and he looks back at me, he's like, hey, what's up, man? I was like, hey, you know what? Men of Honor, it's one of me and my dad's favorite movies to watch together, man. Loved you in that. And he just like lights up. He's like, man, I appreciate it, man. He, so it must have been after I started. He was like, yeah, man, I appreciate it, dude. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I had fun making it, man. What's your name? I'm like, I'm Cooper, Cuban, nice to meet you. He's like, Cooper, man, for real. Yeah, nice to meet you. And uh, I said, hey, I'm going to snap a pic real quick. And he, he, I didn't even have time to react. He just kind of leaned in, and my buddy Gage took the picture. I was like, have a good night, man. He's like, yeah, you too. So that's that's how you make connections and meet movie stars, guys. I'm telling you. Be nice to celebrities. They're normal people. They are, indeed. And sometimes they just want to forget their woes. or Sometimes pre- they just want to hide dogs. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and then later that night, I think he accosted a waitress or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, night didn't end well for him, but I got Came a good story circle, out of it. Though. Yeah. Speaking of old Cuba, do you, I mean, because sports, uh, sports figures tend to be larger than life. Spotlight's continually on them. They have to be. In terms of Rod being difficult to work with, have you ever encountered people like that? Like, say you might have had a client or something like that who just wasn't good at, you know, people, people relation, talking, things like that. Yes, people are difficult all the time <laughs> because everyone thinks their problems are the most important, mm-hmm. which is the major flaw in the social media me first society generation that we have right now is Ooh, that man. everyone wants to be at the top of the priority list. Right. But guess what? There's a lot more people in the world than you. You're not special. You're not special. At all. Wake up, kids. Don't shoplift the pooty and you're not special. <laughs> the two rules of this podcast. Exactly. One of the funny things I saw this movie, one of the things that did not last over time, is they called cell phones porties. What? Porties! How did I miss that? Portable phones. They're just called porties. Porties. That that sounds Porty like... Porty potties. I was going to say, that sounds like a portable porta potty. That doesn't sound correct at all. Another crazy thing is that they're drinking organic milk in 1995. The Horizon... Uh, you noticed that too. And I they're did. putting it in Apple Jacks. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a very conflicting type of breakfast going on. It blew on me there. away. I didn't even know they had organic milk back then. Yeah. I saw the Horizon uh, label on the calendar. I was like, that's weird. I've seen that before. Yeah. This is... Perhaps one of the only movies out there where the main character gets dumped by two different women in the same movie. <laughs> his breakup scene when his fiance says, No one has ever dumped me. Jerry replies, I'm not into making history. <laughs> and then just, she beats the shit out of him. And he goes, Just think if I got her the ring she really wanted. <laughs> I just like that. And those are some of the more one liners this one has. Yeah. Just full of them, stocked full. 
this movie is still relevant, true or false? True. True. Why? Because it's a love story. It's a story more about compassion than it is about sports. It's about the compassion you have towards your friends, towards a single mother raising her son in this cruel world with the help of family, of Jerry realizing his narcissism and correcting his ways only to realize he hasn't corrected him, then finally correcting him Mm -hmm. the right way. It holds up because it has themes of becoming better, bettering yourself, of... It's a redemption tale. Becoming less self-centered, and I think those are two things everyone can use a little bit more of these days. Even if they use porties, you know? Just put put the portie down, go outside, make a connection. Looking through it through fresh eyes, you really need to value the relationships that you have, that you make. Because, you know, they say no man or woman is an island... I think that there's really something to that. You know, Jerry Maguire, for all his successes, is just like his Bachelor video. He cannot be alone, you know. Even when he's surrounded by people, he can never be alone. Like, if I'm surrounded by people a lot, like, as much as he was, I would have to have some alone time. But, you know. And that sort of leads into one of the big things, the subtext of the show me the money scene. Uh It dramatizes the difference between Rod and Jerry in this film. As the head of a close-knit family, Rod is shown with his wife, his kid, and his brother. He's physically present and attentive. You know, through talking on the phone, he's on he's talking business, but he's supervising his kid, doing stuff. He's interacting with his family. His family's needs and wishes are Rod's top priorities. Jerry, on the other hand, is in his office having just been fired. He's isolated from everyone else, both physically and emotionally. He mm-hmm. couldn't want to be on this call less, as all the other calls are flaming out on his phone. Jerry's only concerned about himself as he desperately tries to retain his clients after he just got fired. So the show me the money scene sums up sort of Jerry's arc from from where he starts to unravel, being the most self-centered guy. Rod is here, the beacon of this family. Show me the money to him means show me a better life. And to Jerry, it just means... Show me the money. (laughs) Quite literally. Show me the money, Yeah. yeah. I like that. It's very poetic. And you know it, it's the way the way it works so well is the juxtaposition, just like you said, of Jerry and Cuba, and uh, or Jerry and, and Rod. You know, Family Man, and may, maybe the original because you you see it a lot in the scenes that are there. Uh, Rod and his wife Marcy, they're you know they're lovey dovey. They talk you know they talk to each other. They they build each other up, and um, you know uh, Dorothy and and Jerry. Sure, they may be initially attracted to each other, but you can kind of sense a very kind of terse uncomfortable, you know, way of how to express themselves even though they're still new to this, you know. Uh, Rod's been established in this family for a long time and Jerry just sees that and I think that's probably a very deep-seated reason why he doesn't respect Rod at first. He's like, man, I just, I, I can't have this. You know, I, I don't have this and it frustrates me so much. He doesn't have know? a real purpose outside of his job. Exactly. And this high-life, flashy sports agent who just makes all the deals and crushes mm-hmm. it. Exactly. And, you know, he... Uh, it's like you said too. Rod has a supporting wife, and Jerry. Spoiler alert: soon into the film, has a a very supporting wife. Dorothy, you know, admires him greatly, but he just can't see the forest for the trees, and is just still focused on the job, the now, the making the money, the doing what's right. But just like you said, redemption. He finally catches sight of what's really important by surrounding himself with all those wonderful people. And let's so. get to Dory, because she, Dorothy, because she, you know, their marriage changes everything. Yeah. You know, once he starts, hitches up with her, they start figuring out life together. Mm-hmm. Jerry's career kind of goes sideways a little bit 
Well, he tries to finally, for the first time, balance work and his regular life. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it is, and this is my opinion, why do you think it is that Jerry was so much more attached initially to Dorothy's son than um, than Dorothy? I mean, they, he, he, he was obviously attracted to Dorothy, but he really gravitated toward her son. Why do you think that is? I don't have a good answer to that. Because hmm. if you'll notice, there's one scene where... Um, Jonathan Lipnicki, the cutest kid on television, comes into the room and uh, he's like, can I watch some TV in here? And he's like, yeah, come on, buddy. So he jumps up there and they just had a little terse, you know, a few words with each other, Dorothy and Jerry. And, um, you know, it's her son. He's basically a stranger to this household. And he kind of like scoops the kid up and sets him right there on his lap and just kind of ignores her. And you see this strange look on her face, you know. I think that there was something really cruel about that for Jerry to do that to her because, you know, she, first of all, she birthed the child into this world. And second of all, I feel like it was impactful because she doesn't really know where to stand at this point. She asks him, you know, I, I don't really know what's going on inside that head of yours. And he says, well, all you have to do is ask. And she says, well, I thought I just did. That was the words that they had. But you, you look at it from her perspective. If he's spiraling out of control, if he's afraid of being alone, and the one thing he's going to attach to is her kid... You know what? What type of what type of scenario is that going to set up in the future if it doesn't work out? You know, well, perhaps, like is he going to try to take take the kid? Like you know, just yeah. from a from a motherly you know perspective, how am I how am I to keep myself and my child the safest? Or perhaps they're just both giving each other something that they lacked. For Jerry, it's the idea of a family. You know, he mm-hmm. gets to kind of steal first on this one. Right. Get married, already have the kid. Don't mm-hmm. have to go through those nine months. Right. And then for Dorothy, she finally gets that validation that she is worth something. You know, she and is she a, can find something or somebody to believe in, you know? She's a beautiful woman who can get taken on dates, have an evening amongst adults. <laughs> and they're sort of using each other at first. And I don't think that their relationship and their love develops immediately. Mm-hmm. It's until they bury that, oh, I'm just using you to have this warm feeling of family and I'm just using you to have this validation that I could, you know, bag a very successful man, you know, good and honest somewhat. And then he could be a part of a family. Exactly. Very astute. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so your your top lines were what again? Uh, there's actually a great line in there, which I don't think we've talked about. It's when Jerry and Dorothy are going on a date mm-hmm. and they leave Ray with... The, the, baby, au pair, the au pair. The au pair, Chad. And he notes, Tonight, I'm going to teach Ray about jazz. <laughs> Probably the creepiest line of the entire thing, but I found it hysterical. That guy's name is Todd Luizzo, that actor. Okay, Todd Luizzo. He has been in a couple of you know smaller indie films. He was also in this movie called High Fidelity. It's been said of Todd Luizzo that he can do more with a still, controlled face than many other actors can. Just like the seriousness of him, he's like... And like you hear his voice quiver, like he's getting choked up talking about. It. He's like, "I'm gonna teach Ray about jazz." You know, he's just like, "All right, Chad, easy, easy, buddy." So that Kid's one, only five. That one's up there yeah. as the weirdest one of the movie, maybe right. fifth. We'll leave that one at fifth. Uh, then the help me help you, and then these two we're talking about. Yeah, show me the money and you complete me. Show me, show me the money. Definitely should be, I think, number one because it's okay. funny. It, it's a throwback, just like we mentioned earlier. Two, why is that you had me at hello? All right, so let's talk about that one. Okay. You had me at hello. This is the almost movie-defining scene in the film, right? This is the one people reference. This is one people get all ooey-gooey over and stuff like that. 
God, it's so cheesy, though. It's bad. But I think it's the context around it that makes it That overcomes the cheese? That overcomes the cheese. Because here you have Jerry Maguire, the king of the living room. He has to go into the living room. The lord of the living room. Of recruits. King of the kingdom. Of these top draft picks and sell them on how he's going to be the best agent he can be. He's in his element, but he's not there for the reason he's normally in his element. Right. He goes in this hostile living room full of hurt, divorced women. (laughs) Women with opinions. And he has to deliver the soliloquy to change lives. You complete me. And then, of course, Dorothy hits him back with, you had me at hello. And that's why this line is one of the top 100, because he's in his element, and that's why it rises above some of the other ones. While tacky and while overused in today's vernacular, Right. when this came out, that was the defining moment of him self-realization of what his skills and what his life's purpose were. Do you think it was solidified at that point, going off of what you said earlier, that they really, because she had started started talking in the women's group and was really kind of getting some things off of her chest. Do you think that it was framed? It was framed to be a big moment, but do you think that is the exact moment when they realized they should stop using each other and really go for it? Yeah, yeah. that was the moment Based when they realized. What said. Yeah. So yeah, cheese cheese factor through the roof, but it was done in such a way that it was you know it was tapered off a little bit with the narrative and how it was all set up. Oh, and there's obviously. Uh, a Tom Cruise running scene in the movie. He has to run in all of his movies. I don't know if you know that or not. One of many running scenes. Um, Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Not specifically. Not specifically. Unless we want to talk about Rod Tidwell as a football player. (laughs) And Rod Tidwell is one of the least convincing football players of all time. He's five... We'll give him a... He's five ten. We'll give him eleven in cleats. (laughs) And this guy, he's asking for max money. Right. He's asking for max money, and he's kind of a Julian Edelman slot receiver type of guy. You know, he catches. He's worried about going over the middle all the time, so he's not the deep threat. He's clearly not the big target. (laughs) He's not getting the money. We're not showing you the money ever, Rod. So this is a testament to how good of an agent Jerry Maguire possibly was. (laughs) If he can get Rod Tidwell eleven point two that Julio Jones money, then maybe. (laughs) But it's not happening, Rod. Predictions for the Super Bowl? Give me the Falcons. And that is a certified jinx. <laughs> All the New Orleans-based listeners will be very happy you said that. Love the Falcons, the Dirty Birds. Yeah, I, mean, I tell you what, man. Since them, Roddy. Them Falcons, and, dude. Since Mike Vick went to prison, they cleaned up their act. Good, wholesome <laughs> team to follow. <laughs> Matt Ryan, that winning smile. Come on, man. I guess the last question I have for you is, do you have a personal... There, there's a lot of mottos in the movie. You know, you had Quan. The, the the gestalt, you know, feeling of oneness with yourself, your community, and, you know, money obviously is is up there in terms of priorities, but I, I like the idea of, of Quan. You know, it's Rod's word, but we're going to borrow it for a minute. Do you have some verbiage for Quan, or do you have a show me the money phrase or something that's motivational? I do, I do, and it's a phrase I heard probably... A couple years ago from the sports television personality, Scott Van Pelt. Not the late, great Dickie Fox, your old mentor. Not the late, great Dickie Fox, okay. my old mentor. Right. It's from Scott Van Pelt, and he noted... Mm. It was it was words of advice to young people like us, how to be better, how to make an impact. And he mm-hmm. said, stop sucking, <laughs> be better at everything across the board. And that's just kind of the way I live my life. I am pretty sure Scott Van Pelt originally came up with Don't Shoplift the Pootie. From a single mom. Don't shoplift the pooty! Mine 
it's more of a motto than anything else. And I came up with this motto a couple years ago based off of a small internet article that I read that Harrison Ford, back when, you know, in his younger days, and maybe still today, I don't know, but his phrase that he would just make his was, I'll drive. Well, he's a world-class stick man. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you can do. Right. I mean, he, nobody can put it in light speed, run the, make the Kessel run like he can. What was know? it, eight, nine parsecs? I think mine would probably be no sweat. It exudes confidence. You know, I may be lying my ass off, but I'm faking it till I make it. And, uh, yeah, it gets me motivated. I say no sweat. I wish that was my line, but I sweat all the time. <laughs> so you could see right through it. it yeah. They'd be like, you're it wouldn't, sweating, it wouldn't, it wouldn't you're be sweating now. We know you're just fucking You're lying. a liar. You're not true to You're going lines. to sweat because we just see your glands are overactive <laughs> in this completely calm, cool situation. Yeah. But no sweat. I got it. Yeah, I'll drive. Yeah, no yeah, sweat. Yeah, that's man. niche. Well, man, Patrick, I appreciate you being on the show again, man. You are, you are the, the season two wrap-up of Unquote. Thanks for being on the show, man. I Absolutely. appreciate Absolutely. Enjoyed it as always. And um, and just as a as an extra wrap-up, refresh the viewer's memory where they can find you in the coming future. Because uh, you got a screenplay coming out, dude. Yeah, if it ever gets bought and sold, I'll be a millionaire. <laughs> um, as long as you stop sucking and improve across the be board. Be better at everything across the board. Be better at everything across the board. You know, it's about a gradual lift. Right, exactly. You know, it's just get, you know. Inch by inch, it's a cinch, man. Yard by yard, it's hard. Incremental improvements. Yeah, exactly. Um, you can find me on Twitter at MovieReview365. That's where I spit straight fire takes on all the recent movies. It's lit, fam. Some older movies, too. Yeah. Some cool ones. Um, some really bad ones that I just ripped to shreds. Well, Patrick, thanks for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. No doubt. Well, that wraps it up here at Unquote. Thanks again, Patrick. And thanks again to all my guests. Everybody was so amazing to sit down and talk with me about random stuff like this. I loved it. And look, nobody's a fan of long goodbyes, so I'm not going to do one. I'll just simply say this. You terrific listeners out there from all walks of life, from all across the globe, hopefully, I'm really glad that y'all tuned in. And no matter where your ears or your feet may take you in life, I just want you to remember one thing, dear listeners. I'm Cooper Powers, and keep the film rolling. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.